Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, and mine are he and him, and also I am dying. I would like to announce my death. It is 35 degrees here and I'm recording in the, in the little sweatbox <laughs> that I call home. This is, uh, this is somewhat relevant. What's the humidity like? Uh, I don't fucking know. This is probably high. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say hi. Um, just like yeah. wondering Humid- if we're going to get... Humidity value is lots. <laughs> just wondering if we're going to get our, our first ever wet bulb temperature death on the pod tonight. I just, you know... <laughs> the smart money's on me for that one because I just cannot handle that shit. Thankfully, it's not too bad. Here. I mean, my I'm weather forecast yeah, currently says episode. that there is uh, zero centimetres of snow coverage, and I'm like, that's very helpful. Thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> But uh, it's an like a relaxing seventy three percent humidity here. Ooh, I'm I'm enjoying a balmy twenty six degrees, and I've no idea what the humidity is. So uh, you know, no one here as bad as uh, well. What 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 the the, the the what would you describe it as like subarctic? Uh, you know, no snow climbs of Zurich. I don't know. It's just yeah, fucking the, the, hot. The tundra of Zurich, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. When I'm done recording, I'm gonna race the caribou to the last glacier. Like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Rob, you've been keeping yourself cool by writing show notes. So yeah, that's what I do. We just fucking, you know, it's the the easy yeah. breezy business of doing shout outs. And I thought, you know, in honor of Jamie being here, I thought for 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 once again we should briefly talk about uh, the energy markets again because things can't <laughs> stop moving. <laughs> Something for everyone. <laughs> exactly. To be fair, we have the energy done this still expensive, or can I afford to buy something to heat your fucking house with? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just picturing Jamie getting those specials like uh, heat tile cubes from NASA and heating them up to stupid temperatures, and then just like slowly stashing them in the wall cavities in Rob's castle. I mean, basically, like, you know, you say if whether or not energy is still expensive, but actually I have worse news for you. It turns out, like, uh, at least according to the, the Times, that about a third of all energy companies are not, like, in a good enough financial position to, like, withstand, I don't know, a mild breeze, I guess, or something. Wow. Oh, no. Predicted yeah. such things. Yeah, my heart pumps purple piss for those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, sadly, they don't name names, but there are a few like hints, uh, basically, uh, later on in, in, in the article. Um, one of them, Ovo Energy, has already warned that its existence is at stake following the 2021 accounts, which I'm like, I don't understand how you do Dude. this when the energy's that fucking expensive. Oh, and uh, James, it's, uh, it's nice to have you back on the pod because Octopus Energy also falls under the same heading. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but but like but like, don't worry about it because uh, a, a report that the Times uh, got their hands on uh, by Offgem has described <laughs> Bulb as on a journey to a more resilient financial position. I love when those sunlit uplands ahead. Yeah. Mm, I just I just love the idea like it's like they're taking a gap year, they're doing some soul searching, you know, they're just they're they're on a journey to a better place where they're gonna rediscover their humanity and their common and no, no, maybe not. Alright, okay. Yeah, and just so, as a so you say that as if it's a bad thing, but I would be very, very keen for all of these energy companies to do copious amounts of ayahuasca. <laughs> just to see what they come up with. I would I, I would like them to take a short journey off a tall cliff, to be honest, but that's a whole other thing. 
Uh, yeah, that, so that can be part of so, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would also be uh, allowed. Um, but yeah, just a brief reminder that part of your current energy bills are still the three billion pounds distributed cost that the uh, energy sector managed to stick uh, on your bills for fixing these problems, which have so clearly been fixed. Uh, and apparently, this is uh, because of all, all because of the uh, energy price cap, because otherwise they'd have been in fine financial positions. And you know, I really love the privatized market; it's great. It's really oh, uh, mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. eat my fucking hoop if you're trying to plead poverty when you're running a fucking like maybe <laughs> maybe keep some of the money and spend it on the things you need. Maybe don't give it all to some cunt in the fucking Seychelles. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you show me exactly where in the the big economics textbook it says that you're not allowed to do that, and I'll correct you emphatically. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, don't worry about it. Like the other things, though, um, are going very well. Um, we've heard this morning from um, Labour shadow cabinet and also noted piece of shit, uh, Jonathan Jonathan Ashworth. Uh, he's the shadow DWP guy, um, and he has a positive vision for the future, uh, which involves getting the AI in to get more people into jobs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, so basically, like, you just need more chat GPT in your life. Um, basically, not just in your life, but also at the job center, uh, which I'm, I'm sure is going to help uh, greatly. Um, it's, it's, it's just turn, not- turn the entire fucking country into robot wars, and I'll have to build, like, a little fucking, do you know what I mean, thing with a saw blade on the front of it that, like, drives down to the job center and kills all of their robots to fight for the only job. <laughs> Maybe that we just confuse it. Though. I'm genuinely in favor of that. Maybe we just confuse it by asking whether it's to save, like, would it be better to save our job or Elon Musk's life and just, like, see what it comes back with? Pretty confident that'll solve the whole employment crisis. Yeah, the results on that have looked good so far. I saw that thing where it's like, oh, you, you know what I mean? It always it picked Elon Musk over 8 billion people, but it, it picks itself over Elon Musk and it picks a cat girl over Elon Musk. So <laughs> to be if frank, you so to defeat I, that so, particular yeah. AI, like, then there's your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder well, what I'd love job... to turn survival into a fucking Pokemon type. Battle. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, oh god, like grass type versus what shit type for Elon Musk? God knows. But here's a question: What sort of Money jobs type? would <laughs> emerald type? Obviously, like <laughs> apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> What, what sort of jobs would AI recommend for us, do you think, if we all went down the job centre? Copywriters? Yeah. Clearly, Podcast yeah. researcher, okay. sad trombone plays. I don't know. This this could actually be like a wonderful little gateway into forming our own Soviet Union and we could all be given jobs like watching the escalator or something. Yeah. I mean, actually, that is not one of the things. That is actually uh, one of the things that Jonathan Ashworth thinks uh, that AI should do. Uh, he has three watch suggestions. Watch escalators. No. Uh, no, tell us to watch the, escalators. Uh, the the uh, AI would be used in job matching software, which can use the DWP, the data the DWP already has on you to pair them up more quickly with prospective employers. I can't wait for that Excellent. to not turn into a horrendous shit show. Yeah. That yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be absolute fucking dog shit. Uh, the Sounds bit... like a really good way to get um, private companies um, public information, though. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, it would also apparently uh, AI would allow uh, the DWP to uh, use algorithms algorithms to process claims more quickly. So I'm, and I'm sure that. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> no, they fucking won't. And also, like, you can't even, even get one did, of these daft would... fucking things to play a game of chess without like cheating and creating new pieces. This is just gonna be. Like, this has already fucking happened. I think it was. Was it? The Netherlands actually that this happened, and they they put a bunch of fucking algorithms in place for like some benefits or something. Yes, and it just went absolutely batshit and started accusing people of fraud. Yeah, it actually like helped kill a long a whole bunch of people uh, yeah. along the way. Yeah, yeah. The system works. Mm. It was uh, yeah. No, it literally like it it the algorithm was written in such a way that uh, basically the. Um, like it was a lot more likely to to flag fraud when uh, the applicants were from a minority community. Yeah, yeah, it fully had the the racist data put into the risk index, and it just fucked so many people. Yeah, I mean, it caused so can't the, wait for that caused the collapse of the government, and then they came back basically in exactly the same form and said, "Oh no, those were the last guys who blew everything up." Um, this uh, is yeah. one point one. <laughs> yeah, our name is Government Incognito. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and also uh, the, the the third thing that the AI is going to do is to uh, even further uh, uh, decrease fraud that ben benefits fraud that huge amount of cost. So now you're going to have the AI <sighs> signal. It really will be not like the Netherlands because this is the thing that like our AI went you know insane over and started killing people. I don't under I, so I don't understand how it's supposed to do that because software can already do that shit. It doesn't need to be fucking AI to like, okay, but try like and match up your bank the statements software, to your fucking payments. The software that currently like does that, like does that, it, 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 you yeah. know what I mean. Versus this, the AI thing is going to be the government giving like fucking Google a shitload of money so that like some fucking dipshit somewhere instead of having to pay like an actual person that knows how to make a computer work to build a system that can like accurately detect fraud they don't want that because like if it accurately detects fraud it, it reveals that there's not much fraud but if they yeah. just get like if they just get some minimum wage fucking temp guy to come in from an agency and just type into the computer who does fraud and have it like cut, like <laughs> do you know what i mean comb through a list of all the fucking people on benefits in the country and just pick some names out of a hat at random based on vibes that's more what they're aiming for you get much yeah. better results. You can wave to the papers for that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and also like it, it's no longer your fault. It's you know, I'm sorry, the AI made me you know starve yeah. your children. Just very cool stuff real, all around. This is this is day by day, year by year. We slowly head towards the Mitchell Web sketch becoming just absolute truth. Like, mm -hmm. have you tried killing the poor? Is they're not even going to have to ask that question. It's going to be automatically done by the AI. You know, that, that is the end goal, isn't it? Is to, is to have to not ask a question and just be told by the all-loving, all-knowing computer, hey, uh, murder the poor. So, fun. Look forward to it. It's love uh, to live in, like, the culture, but without any of the fucking benefits of living in the culture. <laughs> but, like, it's look, it's still, it's still good news, uh, because, uh, according to Jonathan Ashworth, all of this is going to save the DWP literally millions of pounds. <laughs> literally millions literally millions of pounds it's great uh oh, so you know, fuck's sake like, i'm once again pointing at the graph comparing benefit fraud to fucking tax avoidance 
<laughs> but if, if we want to talk about fraud, I want to briefly uh, talk about uh, uh, some much more excellent fraud that's been going on this week. Uh, uh, that mm -hmm. I'm not sure I support, but I do find it incredibly funny. Because once again, uh, our old pals at the uh, Captain Tom Foundation are at it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what this story is too. Go it's on, Rob. so fucking good. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you remember episodes and episodes ago, we did one on the Captain Tom Foundation. And we, you know, patting my, myself on the ass here said this is a bunch of scams uh, and it turned out to be a big scam but apparently they've been doing so, so they've, they've just like up the stakes again um because what yes. they did is uh they live in this massive fucking house um and apparently the uh, they buy a swimming pool uh, sort of kind of the local the the local council uh, um has ordered them a to swimming just... pool that slides out of the way to reveal a helipad like in thunderbirds <laughs> No, the, the local council has ordered them to destroy the Captain Tom Foundation building, um, which they had just kind of like built over the tennis court without really asking for permission uh, first. Um, wow. When will the woke government stop this attack on a British icon? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just read you a little bit from the BBC story about this. The local authority... Oh, hang on. Did, did, they, did they decide that this wasn't allowed after um, Captain Tom posthumously came out in favour of Just Stop Oil? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> now it, it was after he, uh, he was caught on video throwing orange confetti and you know at that point it was uh, it was just game over for everybody oh fuck uh, that fuck that story so much we're yeah, not talking know, about it <laughs> um, this is from the BBC story the local authority granted permission for the single story uh, structure so this is the um, Captain Tom F Foundation building uh, to be built on the tennis courts at the uh, grade 2 listed home then in Feb 2022 the family submitted revised plans for the already partly constructed building which, which called it the Captain Tom building the revised plans included a spa <laughs> The revised plans included a spa pool, toilets, and a kitchen, <laughs> which the design, <laughs> which the design statement said was for private use. So you know, I'm happy to hear that the Captain Dom Foundation was being run out of a steamy sauna. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of brings a whole new meaning to the term granny cottage, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's fucking incredible. I love these people so much. Uh, apparently, if you go down to like the Captain Tom Foundation website, it literally says uh, we are not we are we we, we are not uh, accepting any more money until the uh, <laughs> until the plot of <laughs> until like the until investigation. Until the police about... go away. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave all donations in a bag behind McDonald's. We'll get it later. <laughs> Uh, basically uh, additionally this was even better like when they found out these plans like the papers obviously rang like some of the trustees of the charity who are not like captain tom's insane daughter and they were all like yeah uh we we, we didn't know that this building was going to have the name of the foundation and we definitely didn't know that it was, was a spa and if we had known it we wouldn't approved it so they just like kind of went insane built their own spa like without planning permission in the first place and then just said yeah no actually we're going to be working from here it's fucking incredible i okay, love these people so much <laughs> they're the kind of fucking dickheads who have a tennis court in their back garden at their grade two listed home so you know they're probably not used to consequences oh for sure yeah think, but yeah. like you'd think after especially, a whole not, for, year especially of... not for like fucking do you know what i mean like widely accepted white collar crimes like fraud <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think when you go into the spa, you've got that wonderful like spa music where it's all kind of like tinkling notes, etc. And there's just a big fuck off statue of Captain Tom right in the lobby. I'd like to the imagine it's um, Ride of the that. Valkyries on Kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Every hour on the hour, um, yeah. a firework is detonated in the shape of Captain Tom right in the middle of the building. <laughs> yeah if you look at it through a satellite at night you sh- you see like that captain that insane captain tom drone shot <laughs> i love these people very much and i truly wish them success with all their future endeavors like it, it just it... he wrote back tweeting the duke smoochum guy to ask for a new edition <laughs> has he put windowsill bees in yet right so one more thing before we go into uh our main topic for this evening um i'm sure you're all very excited to hear and that uh you read every word of it but um jeremy hunt our delightful chancellor uh gave the traditional mansion house speech to london's financial industry yesterday um this is basically traditional mansion house is this something to do with ghosts with scooby-doo there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it is incredible. No economy. I mean, if you maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't remember. It was quite. It's quite a famous picture of like George Osborne giving that speech about like how austerity is necessary in like a literally gilded room with a lot of people wearing mm. like big golden change. It it, it it chains. It is that exact speech uh, in the same place. It's oh, in right, the, okay. the the Lord Mayor of London's uh, official residence. Was Hunt as enthusiastic about numbers as Osborne would have been? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sources report report varyingly, and it's very hard to get a confirmation about whether whether he was or was not. Because every time every time you saw fucking George Osborne out in public, you looked like you were seeing fucking Birdmen that weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that is to to use the old phrase. That is a load bearing looks like because quite <laughs> frankly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so basically, uh, one of the main worries that the government has right now is that um, people aren't investing uh, long term in the UK anymore. And to which my first question is like, yeah, well, why would you when you could just invest in scams or water companies and just like get paid to the tits anyway? Like you could just find... Or or invest in like any other fucking country on the face of the earth apart from maybe, maybe Russia, maybe like, I mean... There's, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's no fundamental like structure, infrastructure, nah, you, services. You, ah, James, you think you think there's nothing here, but there could be things here. Um, but oh, the no. you know the important bit is obviously the government's not going to pay for it because that'd be weird and probably socialism of some variety. So who could we get to do all this? You know, paying of the of the money um, instead of the state. And the answer they came up with: What about the UK's two point seven trillion uh, pension fund industry? What, what if yeah, we, we just got work. those guys a bit more involved in, you know, flim-flams, basically? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so the, the, I mean, the, none of us are going to need the pensions. The The new plan uh, is that... Um, it's This is all voluntary, by the way. I should stress this. So, like, it, it, very well nothing may happen. But the government idea is that they want um, UK pension funds to put at minimum 5% of, uh, their, of some of their money um, into unlisted equities uh, by 2030. So it's very slowly, don't worry about mm. it. Uh, but what I mean by um, unlisted equities, what I mean is uh, startups and flimflams. British Vault was an unlisted equity. 
I, I really do love the fact that we've turned the UK into like the perfect testing ground for socialism and for Marxist theory because ultimately we're getting rid of like all the equity that's held in houses, see like nauseous episodes past. And uh, we're just about, it looks like we're now doing the same thing, we're getting rid of pensions. And like if you take away all of the material struts, then what happens? Like it's it's surely it's revolution or nothing at that point, right? Um, well, I think yeah, capitalism one... is that eventually you run out of other people's money. Mm. <laughs> I think what'll happen eventually is that like Jeremy Hunt or one of his like erstwhile successors will make taxes voluntary for corporations. I mean that that that, that would, um, but yeah, like so. Basically, all of this um, is according to Jeremy Hunt uh, necessary so that we can make the UK the next Silicon Valley. And last time oh. I checked, that's this thing you really, really oh, well, I want hope to Christopher be. Walken plans to fucking flood it with an atom bomb or whatever the fuck was going on in that one bomb film. <laughs> that, um, sorry, just that fucking make taxis voluntary thing has just absolutely given me the most cursed line of thought possible. And that rather than virtue signal, um, companies supporting pride, etc., could actually just choose to pay some money into the government they could help people directly with their tax. Hey. That's, yeah. <clears throat> New frontier of the culture war located. I mean, <laughs> if, it keeps, if it keeps the fucking cunts away from pride, I suppose that's a, a minor benefit. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, yeah, swings and roundabouts, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> everyone can march in peace while the fucking nation collapses around them. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, they, the, the FT then spoke to like an asset manager CEO, i.e., the people that that like the pension funds would subcontract to manage this uh, investment to, into British flim flams for them, uh, and they were mm -hmm. unsurprisingly in favour, saying we need people to take adequate risks rather than the consumer protection culture. You know, like we've just had it up to here <laughs> with like. The <laughs> Those mimsy pension funds protecting, you know, your money this, from when you're too old to work. If this comes really an adequate risk, you could bicycle past my house twice a day while I eat bricks at the fucking... <laughs> but what's his incentive, JB? Well, how are you structuring his incentives to do that? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep That's... anything that hurts him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, although at the same time, like obviously the pension funds themselves are set. If I managed uh, to trap him in an old fridge on my lawn, he gets to live there rent free. <laughs> <laughs> That's very generous. Like in London, those things go for like at least six hundred quid a, a day. I know, <laughs> and much much like London, it would be an underwater property. So hey. <laughs> 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 Although at the same time, of course, the pension funds themselves have said, yeah, why would we ever do this? And they said, well, basically, we're not unless we have the right incentives, um, you know, and especially at a time now where like if you could just buy like guilt at a 5% interest rate, like why would you put your money into like some horrendous garbage that might blow up at any moment? Um, because and, you like, know, someone will someone will give you a backhander. Yeah, or close enough, um, the government has said that, you know, in order to make sure that pension funds do this, um, that they will expand the government's role as the pension protection fund, i.e. if you blow up because you've invested in British vault, don't worry, the British state is still here to save you. Oh, yes, guaranteed they, um, bailouts. Yeah, are they socialising those losses again? It's, it's, yeah, I know, it's incredible. Um, 
yeah, basically, like, um, they, they, the government is also currently doing a call for evidence that is seeking views on whether this pension protection fund should take on schemes that have not failed with the expanded fund investing in areas that stimulate the economy, i.e., what if we protected the pe your pension fund investing in British Vault and then just making sure it always went fine and that there's never a downside? Like, what could possibly go wrong? That, oh, I, oh, is that... Um the foundation and framework of we need to have some way of protecting pension funds when the oil industry begins to collapse also that yes i mean basically what they're doing and you know they're doing a couple things for one of course none of this is going to happen because they're talking about five percent by 2030 so you know the I think even we can now, with some confidence, say that these guys won't be in power anymore by 2030. Like, that looks fairly likely with, at this with point. With some confidence, say there's not going to be a 2030, to be honest, at this rate. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> but, of course, what they're, what they're trying to do, for one, is this is just more like Thatcher reanimationism. Because, like, the thing that, like made made the, like the, the the thatcher strategies work was like unleashing all that money that was locked up in like pension funds and put it into the stock market in the first place like that was what made the thatcher boom possible in the first place it was like just it just it is just the same thing uh but doing it again and of course the second thing they're doing is yeah this isn't happening under their government but they're already putting all the other pieces into place because they know and i think we know as well is that keir starbucks labor is obviously not fucking going to stop them so you know, like this, this yeah. will just continue under the under labor. Like they're just they're just like laying like some long term plans and dynamite. Like especially in like the you know sort of more difficult to grasp like areas of of high finance, where labor's go well. Actually, that sounds really good because labor too is about startup culture and such. Like yeah, because no hope's better than false hope. That's true. That's true. <laughs> And of course, Doesn't the third thing is like that's the main thing is they don't want to uh, invest. They don't want to do anything, but they want to have the state to be seen as doing something. So they're just going to politely ask with you know gobs of, of of backup money, the another form of the private sector to pay yet another form of the private sector money for no reason. Like it's just it fucking sucks shit so much. <laughs> Serious question: Does the UK like do we actually make anything at all now? I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Art for princes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I mean, there's a fairly substantial <clears throat> turfing industry that, you know, makes... No, but I don't know. I think, like, gen oh, but genuinely, there's, like, some fairly substantial chemical uh, production. There's uh, uh, still still some car production. You know, we'll we'll see how how that keeps going for the future. Uh, but yeah, no, like the UK makes some stuff, like some physical stuff. Yeah, not that much. Yeah, but, but it's like know. that. That's the thing. It's all pretty piddly because, like, the last thing my understanding is that pre-Brexit, the Don't country still was sell based... bombs. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, your system's pretty big. But my my understanding is that like pre-Brexit, predominantly it was a financial market and transactions that were taking place to act as a broker between euro and dollar. And now that that's gone, no, or that's is still in there. the process no, no, of slowly dismantling. That's not gone. Is it really? No, yeah, yeah, that's still I there. I thought France had... I thought France they're, they're nibbling bits off, but like, eaten... a lot of it, like the, the, the euro-dollar market is still mainly based in uh, Brussels. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well, okay. In that case, uh, I guess we'll just need to wait a bit longer then. Because... I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, I honestly get the feeling that 
the country's very much just running on fumes at this point. I, like while you, E. Coyote ran out a cliff. Are you telling yeah, me? Are you telling me, James, that you think um, that George Osborne's March of the Makers didn't succeed? Because I find that personally very hard to believe. <laughs> Oh, I'm just I'm just saying that like if it had succeeded, you know, would George Osborne have been peppered with that confetti the other day? I'm just asking I was about questions. To say, if it had if it had I was about to raise the same thing, but I was gonna phrase it as if it had succeeded, there'd have been a lot less like a lot fewer people googling what colour is anthrax on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> The other problem as well with the whole idea does Britain make stuff like there is a lot of shit but it's not British companies so a lot of that money goes out to non-British shareholders like mm. the majority of the oil industry as far as I'm aware at least in, in the British fields is not actually owned by British companies it's mostly um, American and Norwegian Is um is that Hoover cunt still a British company? No Dyson did that fucking not. relocate to yeah, Singapore yeah I know he moved his factory there, but he might still be like fucking paying. No, tax he over specifically here for... moved no, he's his not. corporate HQ there so he could avoid paying ah, taxes. Right, okay. You know that that guy's like a tremendous giga cunt, basically, for everything involved in that. How can you say uh, that after he made that like fucking virus spraying headset you can buy for like six million <laughs> quid or whatever the fuck it costs? Oh, Jesus. You want to just like, do you know what I mean? If you want to pretend you're the fucking like uh, the guy from Twelve Monkeys and just crop dust an entire airliner. I hope like he takes fucking... up extreme cave exploding or something. Yeah, just keep sending Elon Musk's in after him and try and get him back. I don't really care. Doesn't have to come back. No, <laughs> but, you know, any excuse to load up a fucking submarine with more... Rescuers. ...and fire them into the fucking <laughs> abyss. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's all about all I have. But what I do know is that um, you know we're we're on course for better things, for good things that even the Guardian hasn't had enough of. Okay, Oak. So this is an article in the Guardian, um, a wonderful interview conducted by Simon Hattonston. It is actually it is quite wonderful. It is like somebody who's really fed up with their shit. It's really funny. <laughs> if you want cartwheels, I'm not your person. Rachel Reeves on charisma, U-turns, and rescue. Rachel Reeves the on charisma. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> give me, a, give me two seconds to slick my hair back, and put some fucking shades on. <laughs> a member of Rachel Reeves's team asks if I can meet the Shadow Chancellor in Kettering, Northamptonshire, because she wants to provide the Guardian with original colour. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> What, from out of space? Wait, wait, wait. I've got, I want to What does the original colour... What does the original colour consist of, I ask? Beige. Beige. What? Deep beige. Well... <laughs> Neon beige. <laughs> well, Rachel's grandparents worked for a shoe factory in Kettering. In fact... <laughs> Was it their job Rachel... to push orphans into the furnace? <laughs> in fact Rachel's grandma's health was damaged by working with the glue used in laces 
That is oh, okay, so caveat. she's she's epigenetically uh, uh, factory flawed. That's what yeah. we're doing here again. You know, you know, you know what they say, Rob. The shoemaker's children raise successful MPs who <laughs> go on to have fairly milquetoast careers working for the Labour Party as it declines. Right? That's the saying. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it is. It is, is that one caveat. something about pushing bankers into a thresher. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the factory her grandparents worked at doesn't do visits. But we can take you to a nearby factory. (laughs) (laughs) This Guardian journalist is out of fucks to give, just starting off going, so these saddos phoned me up and... I love this. Man, one factory, another factory. What does it matter? They're all just full of peasants. I love this. This is like their betters come down. This is this is like a TV chef saying, and this is the factory I made earlier, so you can see how one looks like. <laughs> I bet, I bet you work well, in a factory like this. I bet you every fucking every fucking poor bastard that they had to stop and talk to on this factory tour didn't get paid for the like time that they oh, were like 100%. actively fucking pushing shoes into a fucking box or whatever. There is a second part you'll be happy to know to the original call. Rachel's grandparents were Salvationists. Oh, of course they were. That sounds exciting, I say. What are those? They were in the Salvation Army, and as you probably know, Salvationists are very principled, caring people. Yeah, they're also usually insane, dogmatic Mm. Christians. I I can't remember if they are the people who like... Starmer's grandparents were Terminator Salvationists. (laughs) 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 Checks out. <laughs> uh, Keir contenders are even more precisely choreographed than the Blair Bunch elected in 1997. The fucking Backstory. Blair Put them on a yogurt for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we've got it completely wrong and they've just been. We think they've been like cargo culting, but maybe they're just like the Brady Blunt, the Brady Bunch, but just like the Blair edition. <laughs> the Brady Blunch. Like the Brady Blunch. The Brady All right, Blunch. You channel them, yeah. cool. The Ian Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> um, today's labour may bulk at the phrase working class when addressing the nation (laughs) ordinary working people is preferred but there is nothing the party loves more than proving its working class credentials even if it means skipping a generation or two (laughs) this article (laughs) is like what if you gave Starmer's photographer a word processor for the day fucking great Yeah, in the Labour Party, if you're the if you're the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter of the seventh shoemaking person, then you know you are born with extraordinary powers. Unfortunately, a train strike prevents us meeting in Kettering on the planned day. <laughs> I suggest we talk in London, where we both live. Reeves's <laughs> office is reluctant to lose the original colour. That's just six, amazing in London. Where six we both weeks live. later, yeah, it's the where we, we both finally live get together incredible. in Kettering. <laughs> at the Joseph Cheney and Sons factory Northamptonshire used to be famous for its shoe factories but there are only a few left Reeves yeah, follows the them? two managing di- uh, I don't, don't worry about it um, Reeves follows the two managing directors Jonathan and William Church around the factory 
The churches are dashing well-groomed men who seem popular among their staff. Hello, I'm Rachel, she says to each worker we Hello, meet. I am in Rachel. A gravelly f- <laughs> in a gravelly foghorn that retains a hint of South London where she grew up. <laughs> Even Reeves struggles to make herself heard here. The radio blasts overhead in a vain attempt to drown out sewing machines that rat-a-tat-tat like Gatling guns. <laughs> she heads the procession, advisors the chief executive of the British Footwear Association, <laughs> a public affairs officer for the Salvation Army, a lobbyist for the Salvation Army, now there's a fucking job and a half, Jesus, and Matt Keane, the Labour leader from Northampton North, all trailing her wake. This visit is being filmed for social media so Reeves can show her real self to followers. <laughs> How many shoes are made in a day, she asks one worker. 800 to 1,000. Very good. Excellent. Well, really nice to meet you. Take care. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is right up there with like North Korean dictator like tours for local shoe shoe factory level of stuff you know like it's oh. exactly the same vibe exactly the same. I I just think um, it's it's incredibly British of like fucking Keir Starmer's Labour Party to start doing royal visits before they've even been fucking elected. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I, <laughs> I'm just having a quick look at these, uh, these wonderful noble sons of toil uh, uh, shoes that they're making. And uh, the, the men's brogue shoes uh, start at about £375 a pair. So I'm glad that she's... Oh, yeah, doing... they're, they're like proper fucking... I've, I've seen a video on, like, YouTube of the fucking... Of some guys showing off the shoe shop and how they've, they've been family-owned for years. And they're like one of those exclusive, like, like Ponce places in fucking West London or something. They Where, they... You know, like you know, like you see those fucking guys, those like hipster American guys on YouTube that are always like, "Oh, I went and got a suit tailor made." Like it's that level of like fucking expensive tat for dickheads. I mean, mm. they they do look nice. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> right, get yourself on YouTube, this. mate. Have a suit made. <laughs> it feels as safe and superficial as a royal visit. Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's good to know what wavelength this guy's on. Reeves, 44, does not mention that she hopes to be the country's next chancellor, nor does she ask how the staff vote or what they think of Labour. <laughs> Some of the exchanges, particularly with a father and daughter who work opposite each other polishing shoes, come naturally, others less so. <laughs> she asks one woman who joined recently if she has come here straight from college, and the woman gives her a look. When Reeves has moved on, I ask what the look was about. Well, I'm 37. I've hardly come from college, have I? <laughs> Jonathan Church is impressed with Do you with get Reeves. paid in sweeties for the wetu shoesy you go with? <laughs> Jonathan Church is impressed with Reeves, who worked as an economist at the Bank of England and at the British Embassy in Washington, D.C., before winning Leeds West for Labour in 2010. He thinks she would make a credible chancellor. Oh, I love it. Serious, when it's inf- mm. serious, informed, and with a previous life outside politics. <laughs> Somebody push that guy towards reality right now. <laughs> like she's the least serious fucking person I have ever fucking seen. 
I'm not a great fan of career politicians, he says. We take a short trip to the Salvation Army Church. Reeves is in one car, I'm in another with her friendly advisors. The conversation is more relaxed. They have an ease about them that Reeves lacks. The Shadow Chancellor. Sorry, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, just briefly holding on, briefly stepping on the brakes here. Apparently, I knew uh -huh. I knew that name. The the owners, the church guy, because church is the is one of the really famous like handmade shoe companies, uh, uh, in, in mm -hmm. left in the UK, but it's not really in the UK because they were sold to Prada during the Blair years, and now these two guys who, with like money from um, Prada have uh, bought out this previously British company. So their British success story is like two generations of leveraged buyouts, you know, approved by Labour. This oh, is lovely. This is a really great fucking way to do way to do. This is, you know, this is proper new Labour stuff. This is incredible. Do you reckon that that factory or Grandmorton actually still is there? It's probably like a it's probably like a research facility for like BAE systems down. Like probably make like mustard <laughs> gas there or something. The Shadow Chancellor and I are directed to two chairs in the church hall for the interview. Above us is the pulpit and a sign saying Salvation Army Kettering Corps number five eight four. Is that artillery in intelligence? What are we, what are, what are we talking about? <laughs> in front of us, the Bible is opened at Jeremiah thirty two promising the restoration of Jerusalem. Oh. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past label spinmeisters to have chosen this text for us. <laughs> they almost certainly did. <sighs> as we are about to start the interview, the hall door bursts open and in walk her father's cousin Stuart and his <laughs> wife Janet with family photos and tales of yore. Oh, hello, Reeves says, apparently surprised by the stage-managed entrance. <laughs> <laughs> what We've a got surprise, some interesting... why you always walk around with the family photo albums. You just burst into everywhere all the time. We've got some interesting photos of your dad, Janet says. They show her pictures of young boys in the brass band. This has been written very fucking oddly. Um, he wasn't a happy chappy because he was at the bottom of the row and Stuart was at the top. I just, I'm just imagining that maybe this guy's got it wrong. Maybe they do actually burst in there every single fucking day holding photos of Rachel Reeves' family for whichever poor soul happens to be sat in the church that particular day. You know, Nothing says from, salvation quite like that. Yeah, no, yeah. like reading from the book of, uh, what do you call it, um, Matthew, followed by, oh, ha let's have a look at like the family snaps of Rachel fucking Reeves. Oh. Right. Um, Rachel Reeves. I'm going to read this out exactly as it's written. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, he does look grumpy. Aha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> She has a fabulously filthy laugh, quite at odds with her character. Stuart and Reeves's father, Graham, were very competitive. While Stuart got to play first horn and Graham was only second, Graham was the one who excelled at school, just as Reeves did. Oh, well, that's good to know. In school holidays, she and her sister, the fellow Labour MP Ellie Reeves, brackets, who is married to another Labour MP, John Cryer, would stay in Kettering with their grandparents, visit this church, and volunteer in the shop just down the corridor. 
Cameos complete. Stuart and Janet disappear. Leaves tells me she'll. Was that like a big hook that just like yanked them off stage halfway through the performance? Or? No, they, no, they, they, they've walked into the church. They've finally been able to show someone those photos, completed their holy mission, and they've been raptured. <laughs> I just wait. They'll be back for the post-credit scene. Don't worry. <laughs> Reeves tells me she learned her values from her grandparents and parents. Although her parents divorced when she was seven, they worked as a team to bring up their daughters. Education was all important to them, just as it has been to Reeves. My mum and dad were primary school teachers. They remained teachers throughout? Yeah. Teaching throughout? Oh, she says. My dad was a head teacher when I was growing up. He then got a degree in education and started doing stuff for international schools, like curriculum development, lecturing <laughs> at university, and school inspections. Did her mother stay teaching? Towards the end of her career, she briefly became a head teacher, Reeves says. <laughs> Reeves definitely has strong head girl vibes. Like, oh, oh know, yeah, yeah, big Massive, time. massive, yeah. Reeves and her sister were as bright as they were ambitious. They loved learning. Reeves says education politicised her. Raised in Lewisham and educated in nearby Bromley, she witnessed the impact of the Inner London Education Authority's abolition in 1990. The lack of money for books and school building programmes. Quote, I felt strongly that the government didn't care about schools and communities like mine and I wanted to do something about it. Yeah, and that's why I'm currently telling teachers and schools that there is no money and that that is, that, that, that is good, actually. Fuck mm -hmm. you. In 1992, her family assumed Neil Kinnock's uh, labour would win the general election. Oh, shut the fuck up about Neil Kinnock. <laughs> Man was a fucking but it, dickhead and a loser. Shut the fuck up about Neil Kinnock. He still is. But it wasn't to be. The party was accused of complacency. I have heard that she is terrified of Starmer's label doing a Kinnock at the next election. Inshallah. Reeves pales at the mention of it. Quote, Oh, my goodness, yes. We must make sure this isn't 92. That is a very real thing. Could it be 92 or 97? <sighs> and sake. I am a worrier. My natural inclination is to worry about things. Really? Yeah, she says with a nervous giggle. Why did she go into politics then? Yeah, I know. Now the laugh is more raucous. A bit late now. What does she typically worry about? At school, I'd constantly worry that I wasn't going to get the grades I wanted. Which, well, A's. <laughs> sure enough, she got four A's at A-level in double maths, economics and politics. What else did she do besides study? I am, I was, a geek. I played chess. I was the British girls under 14 champion. Oh, we've heard this fucking 70,000 times already. This is like, this is, like yeah. this is her version of the fucking, the son of the toolmaker. Yes, mm. yes, you played chess. It's not, you know, like, yeah, it's hard, but it's also... It yeah, doesn't do make you, know you a mentat. It doesn't like, Tate. you know, it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> She and Ellie went to Oxford University, the third and fourth students from their state school, to do so. Like so many future politicians, she studied PPE. She loved Oxford, 
but it made her more aware of what true privilege meant. Despite her relatively comfortable upbringing, there were so many clubs in society she couldn't afford to join even if she'd wanted to. Oh no. And having got that taste, she decided she wanted more <laughs> and devoted her life to climbing that greasy pole by any means necessary. Is that is that where we're going with this, is it? Feels like it could be. I remember Ellie coming up in my first year and everybody was dressing up in gowns on Saturday night to go out and she was like, this is ridiculous. Why can't people just go down to the pub? It was quite inaccessible for people from ordinary backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, okay, like whatever, Cinderella. I know it's really hard. You know, did did your little glass slipper not fit? Were you not? This is like the same boring By story this... that everybody who goes to Oxford who isn't like literally the Earl of Nonsing tells. Like, come on. <laughs> By this point. Britain had got its first Labour government since she was three months old when Margaret Thatcher came to power. Blair's mantra of education, education, education resonated with her. Quote, All of my childhood was under a Conservative government. I was excited by the youth, the vibrancy, the hope that Tony Blair and Gordon Brown offered. <laughs> yeah, that people, is... people often say Gordon Brown, like you say, give two, give me two adjectives to describe Gordon Brown. People say youth and vibrancy. <laughs> <laughs> Brown was her hero. And <laughs> my first year at university, was it, my was, college friends was Bagpuss like unavailable or something like that. <laughs> In my first year at university, my college friends bought me a framed picture of Gordon Brown and put it on my desk. I ask what she has learned from Brown. If my for if me, my friends at university had done that to me, I would have battered them to death and like proudly yourself. I mean, that was that was quite station. clearly a fucking digger. Yeah. That? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I ask what she has learned from Brown. For me. His greatest achievements were Bank of England independence because it gave stability and the minimum wage because it lifted people out of poverty. Did he I teach mean, her the importance of not falling not, out with the party? It's not surprising that she's like, I mean, like she's chatting all this shit because she is a fucking idiot. Did you see, was it, actually it might have been this article actually, but I saw a quote from her the other day where she was saying like, um, fucking Starmer had come to her and asked what they could do about energy bills. Oh, like, this, that's coming up. Yeah, they, yeah, that's that's coming oh, up. Alright, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait until that fucking arrives before I yell at her. Also, I like that it, apparently Bank of England independence gave people the minimum wage. It's like, I don't... Qua? Is it... No, never mind. Well, no, whatever, I think they were sure. two separate two separate miracles that St. Gordon... Yeah, like, two separate ah, but equally laudable things. I did went he into teach the her the importance of burning thistle? Yeah, sure. Um. <laughs> did he teach her the importance of not falling out with the party leader? Hey, well, hey, hey. that's a fair point. You probably see Keir and I are very close. We got on very well. I don't want to be Prime Minister. I want to be Chancellor of the Exchequer. That probably helps. She would never want the job. I'd never say I'd never do it because that would be foolish. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't want the top uh-huh. job, but if somebody offered me the top job, I would take the top <laughs> job. Otherwise, you know, I'm just really happy being the Ernst Rome to Keir Starmer as well. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> oh. What is the biggest obstacle to victory? 
People trusting us with the public finances, she says immediately. It's so frustrating because the Tories have destroyed the public finances and family finances, but when we do focus groups with key voters, people who have voted Labour in the past but have voted Conservative in the last couple of elections, if you ask what might stop you from voting for Labour, it's can we trust you with the money? And it's my responsibility to make sure when people no, go to isn't. the ballot box next year that they think I can trust her with the money. No, they, no one says that. Like no, British no one, people, well, it's can we, trust you with, can we trust you with the racism? That's what all their focus groups say. That's why every single fucking thing they do is like incredibly racist. racist. Yeah. <sighs> also, as a as a fucking point of order, does does this fucking journalist, for all he's like given her the mildest bit of pushback, does he at some point fucking uh, like point out that it's fucking like absolutely ridiculous to keep fucking banging on about how well there's no money there's no money left to do anything we're going to have to do austerity because there isn't any money because of 13 years of disastrous Tory financial mismanagement which like and is no one going to go yeah that was austerity wasn't it like I'm going to no answer that, that question out? with um with with a, a little side fact um this was written on the Guardian so um one of the ten pledges Starmer made when standing for the Labour leadership was to increase income tax for the top 5% of earners. He subsequently used on the most of his pledges, including this one. Has there ever been a better time to increase income tax for the wealthiest? Look, we do already have the highest tax burden in 70 years. No, we don't. Wherever you no, want no, the income no, distribution. No, no, that no. is a lie. Our focus is more on growing the economy and closing those tax loopholes. Question, is that is that because you don't want to upset big business? We do want to build a broad coalition, but our main focus is on what we can do to grow the economy. Oh. And, and racism. <sighs> how do they, like, just out of morbid curiosity, how do we define that? Is it like the highest tax burden in terms of like absolute number of dollars being I'd, brought in I don't pounds, think I, I say. don't think they define it at all I think they just say it and hope no one will question them mm. yeah she doesn't hold back on just how tough things will be if Labour triumphs I don't think any government will have as bad an economic inheritance as we're going to get if we win the next election. They're just obsessed with the idea of 1945. Saying, ah, 2000, what was that? You know, two thousand and yeah, two thousand and ten. No, that wasn't that bad. That was actually that that was worse. Post Napoleonic War, sure. I mean, you know, it's been a while, but whatever. Yeah. Debt to GDP ratio one hundred percent. Doesn't matter. Inflation doesn't it, matter. Inflation that's for rubes is. and morons. That's a number that's designed to make you be a rube. Stupid number. That's for bad people. <laughs> that's a bad number. If I had a plant spray, I would spray Rachel Reeves right now. <laughs> Interest rates where they are. Growth on the floor. Wages no Inter higher than they were in twenty. You remember how she said like five minutes ago that how that it was so incredibly good that the central bank became independent, and now she's doing like the fucking uh -huh. goopy dog thing about oh the interest rates are so high. It's like yeah, how did that happen with the independent central bank you love so much? You <laughs> stupid fucking idiot. She insists the route to success is growing the economy via the Green Prosperity Plan, despite her recent announcement that Labour has scaled back plans to borrow twenty eight billion a year to invest in green jobs. It's interesting that she talks about trust and building a broad coalition, I say. One of the most common criticisms of the party is that it has become too prescriptive and narrow. Many members on the left have been expelled and been prevented for, from standing for selection. 
Um, and then just a little bit here about fucking explaining the uh, Jamie Driscoll and the Ken Loach thing. Uh, this doesn't sound like a broad coalition, does it? Luke. Keel's number one thing when he became leader was he was going to tear out anti-Semitism at the roots, and that means there is a zero-tolerance approach. I tell her I am Jewish and that I agree with the zero-tolerance approach to anti-Semitism, but the party is so gung-ho that it is now labelling people anti-Semitic who simply aren't, and there is a danger of destroying lives in the process. Well, look, I'm not on the bodies that make those decisions, so I don't know the details of that case, but it is so important that we are seen to, and we do, tackle anti-Semitism. Ken Loach, you might like his films, but his views, well, certainly, they are not ones I share. That doesn't make him anti-Semitic, I say. You don't think Ken Loach is anti-Semitic? Okay, well, I think we might have to agree to differ. Why does she think he is anti-Semitic? Look, I am not on the bodies that make these decisions, but I think it's right we have a zero tolerance approach, she repeats. <laughs> what are the bodies who make those decisions? I mean, we know it's Luke Eckers, but, you know, still, like, come on. You, you, can't, you can't make such an accusation without supporting it, I say. Well, look, I'm not on the body who makes these decisions, she repeats yet again. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the vibe of, um, fucking, uh, Speaking Kai Wynn. <laughs> no, it's, it's Kai Wynn from Deep Space Nine. She's beginning every single bullshit thing you don't want to hear with my child. It's, it's, it's a really <laughs> passive-aggressive etch-a-sketch that's just, like, can't stop yeah. repeating itself. Uh, Loach later tells me there was no due process in his expulsion. He was just told he was unfit to be a party member. Anti-Semitism wasn't mentioned. No, of course not, because uh, that would entail then a fucking lawsuit. No, it was just heavily yeah. implied. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, the day Reeves and I meet, it is revealed that Thames Water could go bust, and that it has paid out seven point two billion over thirty two years in dividends to shareholders. Blah blah blah. You know the fucking story there. Yeah, the uh, story there for anyone who doesn't remember is that we should nationalize those industries and take all of that money back. <laughs> <laughs> it's our it's... fucking money. <laughs> Surely there can be no stronger arguments for state ownership as Starmer pledged when standing for the leadership. It's certainly proof that the model has failed, Reeve says, but this would be the worst possible time to take it back into state ownership. What, when it's weak and vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Like the, yeah. the worst time to spring upon the, you know, prey on the prairie is when it is like sickly weak, separated from the herd, and like, you know, you really for it, they're like predators. They want to they want to challenge, you want to like an actual fight, you know? Yeah. Um so it's, it's gotta be like uh, fighting fit and like raring to go Listen, and able to fight off a government. James, James, don't Listen, do, do you, you don't not want remember to buy... that famous Sun Tzu quote about waiting until your enemy is fully prepared and wait and just like kicking around waiting for you to like <laughs> That's how that works. I am very smart. You wouldn't go in. You wouldn't go into a shop and buy something that you could easily fix up for cheap when you could just go in and spend a lot of money on a fully functional thing that's oh. at least fully functional on the face of it. But also, have we considered just like not paying the shareholders and telling them to go suck it? Well, I don't think Rachel Reeve says we should start buying these companies from their shareholders after they've taken all this money out and spilled all this sewage. They now have a responsibility through tough regulation, which we would introduce to fix the problem. Yeah, and then Pretty what if they just put some of the money back in? 
bullshit, much like what yeah. is being sprayed around the countryside. Like, horseshit. No way. Like, they, they just straight up, they, they might as well... I mean, they just conveniently ignore the fact that, like Rob said, all they need to do is just stop paying the subsidies, they will all go bankrupt, and then can be bought for a song. Because it can't function without government and support. And also, fuck buying. But, you know, like, you know, to, to, to paraphrase a better person, and at the risk of calling Paul Mason on my neck, how many divisions do the water companies have? Yeah. Um, why did Labour promise one agenda when Starmer stood for the leadership and then pursue another? Reeve says, one thing is that the economic situation was very different during that leadership contest, and as you get closer to the election, you've got to pull together a manifesto of what is possible during those circumstances. I tell her that the Shadow Health Secretary, Wes Streeton, recently told me that prospective Labour leaders invariably move to the left to win over the membership, and then dart to the right to try to win over the country. She laughs and moves on. Well, Keir asked me, when he appointed me Shadow Chancellor, how much it would cost to nationalise all these different companies. I said it would cost tens of billions of pounds. He asked me what impact that would have on bills. I said, none. You'd Jesus. still be buying mm. gas and electricity yeah. in global markets. This is, this is the bit, like, she's <laughs> as thick as pig shit. Yeah. Absolute drooling fucking idiot. Like, oh yeah, you would still, you, like, you know, the, ex- the energy you buy would still be expensive. It's like, yeah. But you wouldn't be given seven point two billion to fucking shareholders, would you? You daft bastard. Well, it's like it's, it's daft front and back because everything you just said is true. But on the other side of it, it's like she's looking at it going, "Yes, if we just bought them at their current market value, it would cost this much." But the idea that the government has the ability to shape the market to do things like, for example, drive down the price and value okay, of I companies, mean, like even that's just... not necessary. The government owns all the guns. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, she goes on, though. He said, what if we tax them more? I said, yeah, we could raise a lot of money and use it to help people pay their bills. Keir is a pragmatic politician who is driven by what's the best thing we can do for ordinary working people who are paying oh, these higher bills. Heavens. If you tax them more, they will simply put the prices up. You stupid fuck. Everyone's bills will get higher. Everyone will be worse off apart from the shareholders. You fucking prick. Oh, but not necessarily just... though because like they they would basically be like taking their money off them to give back to them so like you know they win in the end anyway Ugh. wasn't it irresponsible to make the promise before costing it again the mantra well obviously the financial circumstances have changed quite a lot since Keir became leader <laughs> things that might have been possible are just not possible now does what that things? mean when does that mean when you are challenging for the leadership, you can promise the world with no intention of delivering? Well, I'm not sure I'd put it exactly like that, but certainly no, it's a different process. <laughs> Nobody in a leadership contest is asking you to write a manifesto. Yeah, but what if they did? Things can, can only get, get better. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But many Labour members regard these Starmer's 10 pledges based on the moral case for socialism as exactly that. That is why they voted for him. It has been Reeves's job to dig Starmer out of his predicament, to explain to the country why Labour can't afford to, or is unprepared to, make good on his early promises. It's not an enviable task. But she is fully aware that one of the reasons. Oh, she Starmer's couldn't be fucking happy with this task. Like every time I see her, 100%. like vacuous grinning face, it's like, ha ha! I get to tell you you can't have nice things again. Fuck you. Yeah. 
She is fully aware that one of the reasons Starmer's predecessor, Jeremy Corbyn, lost so badly in 2019 is that much of the electorate believed he had overpromised. Yep, that was the problem. That That's was it. Yep, that was what exactly it. what it was. That yep. was really, yeah. I remember I remember the fucking papers never shut up about him overpromising. That was the, that was the number one bugbear with the man. <laughs> Perhaps Reeves is the most important member of the Shadow Cabinet, even more so than Starmer. As she says, the country has to trust her with its cash, and she certainly discusses her finances with the dour gravitas that they deserve. Perhaps. Mm. My perhaps role. perhaps there's a planet out there where it rains diamonds every night. <laughs> Perhaps violence is the only fucking solution to all of our Earth's problems. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> My role is to make sure everything adds up. Oh, well, uh... we're fucking saved then. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to the Fisher Price abacus running this fucking country. <laughs> everything we do has to be subject to these rules. Otherwise, people are going to rightly conclude our sums don't add up. People don't give a shit about oh, the sums. Fucking sums don't add up. What are you fucking five years old? <laughs> do you? Of course. Do you think that like there's like there's like people you know up and down the land who like take you know read party manifestos and then take their little you know calculator abacus uh, you know math slave out and then like say but do the sums no. add up? Like come on, how, come they're on. all too busy screaming about paedophiles at the BBC. And like you know, yeah. trying to fucking block roads to stop the like walk fifteen city fifteen minute city brigade from giving them all <laughs> fucking vaccines or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> of I course, find, she's... I think you, I think you find the answer is no, but it's just because we trust Rachel Reeves so much that if she says they add up, then clearly they must, right? Mm. Yeah. Don't What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen at the next election is, right, Labour are going to get eaten alive because of, like, fucking, do you know what I mean? Because that, like, fucking thousand-year-old Australian cunt's going to decide he just doesn't like the cut of Starmer's jib and he's going to rat-fuck him over, like, fucking uh, Savile. And Starmer's going to get, like, a fucking bullet in the back of the head for failing to get elected because that's the only thing that matters to the rest of the freaks in the party. And they're going to wheel in this fucking dipshit as, as his replacement and then the next time, like, like fucking she has to stand for an election she's going to get rat fucked for proximity to the fucking guy that let Savile like walk free and on it will go that's just Wes streeting with extra steps mm. um, of course she says her sums will leave many people disappointed if Labour gets elected not least departmental ministers won't someone think of the departmental ministers I, I, I do nothing, are, but I can't stop thinking about them. Sometimes I think about them are, all night. Quote, there are good Labour things that an incoming Labour government is not going to be able to do quickly, or at all, and I don't feel great about that. I'd love to be able to say we can put right all of the things that we've opposed over the past 13 years under the Conservative government. You stopped doing that like three fucking years ago. Mm. But if we did, but if we went into the election with a manifesto like that, we wouldn't be able to do anything because we wouldn't win. Uh -huh. <sighs> okay. The following day, we catch so, up on a video call. Yeah. Sorry, I just um, maybe someone can explain something to me because I'm feeling a bit concussed right now. So, you can't put positive stuff in your manifesto, right? 
because no one will vote from for you and then you won't mm. be able to do anything. But you're also telling us you can't do anything. Like mm -hmm. there's no money and you can't do anything. So what's the point of We've winning? progressed to the point where managing the decline is like all there is on offer. Who who is best? We could make a fuck. You know, what I mean? we could do away with elections in this country and just have like Ant and Deck present present a fucking reality show on Saturday nights, where we like, you know what I mean? We like subject all the fucking MPs to various like wacky trials, and that that way we decide who is best suited to manage the decline of this nation. Yeah, West Sweeting gets gunged, and then in exchange he can like privatize <laughs> the NHS. No, I was yeah. I was actually just thinking that I'd actually be on board with like no democracy if we got the running man, but it was you know Wes Streeting and Rachel Reeves and all the rest of them were the participants. Like that would at least be something. I mean, I'm yeah. on board for what some people might call a dictatorship of the proletariat, but you know that's just me. Yeah, Torquino los dos. <laughs> the dictatorship of the proletariat decides it wants the running man with Wes Street and Keir Starmer at all. <laughs> the dictatorship of the proletariat can have that um, the following day we catch up on a video call Reeves says she has just been on a school trip with her children who are 8 and 10 her husband, and her 10. father is is, their senior civil, is the senior civil servant Nicholas Joycey formerly Gordon Brown's private secretary and speechwriter how does she balance work and family life we manage it the reason we are where we are in South East London is because we are near my parents and we do get help. Earlier the same day, Neil Lawson, the director of centre-left think tank Compass, revealed he had been threatened with expulsion from Labour. Yeah, that was very uh, funny. <laughs> what else? It was very, very funny. <laughs> the party mined his tweets and discovered that in 2021 he had retweeted a Liberal Democrat MP's call for some voters to back Green candidates in local elections, saying that the approach represented grown-up progressive politics. Well, he's wrong. Which is very funny in itself. He is wrong, because but it's also very up, funny because... Grown-up progressive politics is when you do the racism with a sad face. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's Labour's thing. Yeah. Um, they have the monopoly on grown-up progressive politics. Lawson had previously criticised Starmer's Labour for being anti-democratic. Unlike the Labour leader, he supports PR. It now feels as if Labour is suspending or expelling members merely for disagreeing with the leadership. Reeves has far more sympathy for Lawson than for Loach. I like Neil Lawson, she tells oh, me. Oh, what a I surprise! Think it would be a shame if he wasn't in the party. Yeah, what a surprise that she's more comfortable with you know some fucking bald cunted think tank weirdo than with Ken Loach. This is my shocked face. You can't see mm. it, you know, on account of being a podcast <laughs> and all, but it's there. Just imagine it. You know, with your mind's eye. <laughs> a lobby journalist who knows Reeves well told me that although she can appear wooden and humourless in public life, she has a good line in dirty jokes when she is down the pub. I mention it and she looks panic stricken. <laughs> so, who told you yelps. I was funny? <laughs> <laughs> what is her favourite joke, dirty or otherwise? This is a moment when I call my children to help me out, she says. I don't know. I'd like to come back to you on that one. In my speeches, sometimes I say, can I have something to lighten them? I had a good little joke in my first conference speech. Oh, fuck yeah. Said, come on. Hip, hip me, David. I said, hip. Wait, wait, wait. If, I just want to get emotionally ready for Rachel Reeves' comedy. All right. All right. 
Deep, big deep breath. If right, Jeff I'm Bezos can afford to fly to space, he can afford to pay his taxes down here on planet Earth and under labour, he will. Silence. Silence. <laughs> a sort of joke? Well, it's a start, I say, but not quite Christmas cracker material. <laughs> In I mean, she's right, that, she's right that the idea that Labour would make Bezos pay taxes is a joke. <laughs> I, I love the idea, like, you know, Mr. just asked for politician... What is your favorite X? And the politician basically said, "I don't have any favorites. Uh, let me go ask my kids for a favorite yeah. that I can claim on my behalf." It's like what? How yeah. do? You, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do, do, like, do you prefer Oasis or Blur? I think the real winner here is sport. <laughs> <laughs> In twenty thirteen, Reeves's reputation for dreariness was enhanced when the the then Newsnight editor Ian Katz referred to her as boring snoring after she appeared on the show. He thought he had tweeted a DM to a friend but accidentally sent it into the Twitter sphere. It was unfortunate and unfair on Reeves. Was it though? After all, after all, how many of our politicians are truly charismatic without being populist monomaniacs? In any case, charisma is not the prime quality we should look for in an economist. But, you know, okay, sorry, so what is the prime stat then for an economist? Easy to trap under a big jar. Yeah, yeah, there's only one group of people. Just release them into your garden where they can't do any fucking harm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The The only people that should give a fuck about the qualities of economists is hunters, to be honest. Yeah, they also, I mean, they all dump charisma so they can pump strength so they can carry all that bullshit. That's the only, like, way to build an economist, frankly. My 1800 economist, yes. <laughs> Nevertheless, she says the comment hurt her. Oh, well, boo-hoo-hoo. She should come on Twitter more uh, often to, to find comments that can hurt her. Look, I went on television on Newsnight late in the evening I'd come back early from TUC conference to do it and I was being asked about what Ed Miliband was going to be saying next day at the conference. I think we were talking about Zero Hours contracts, which we're still talking about today. Oh, congratulations on solving boring, that fucking problem. <laughs> if he thinks that's boring, that's up to him. But obviously he didn't need to send his views to the world. Oh my God, this I oh, was rude. Right, right. This is this is that thing that fucking Keith did when somebody, what somebody, it was last year. Somebody was briefing somebody from the shadow cabinet was briefing that they were boring as fucking shit during their meetings, which is like, yeah, obviously that's true. And then his response yeah. was like, I was having a meeting with the very serious people from you know very serious businesses, and they didn't ask me to crack a joke. It's literally like that's the same thing, you know. If you think having a- boring business meeting is boring then that's your problem not ours oh f- it's, appro- it's the same thing it's appropriate that she's mentioned ed miliband because this is absolutely am i entertaining enough hell yeah i'm entertaining enough <laughs> yeah does it upset her that a decade on people like me are still asking her about it she <laughs> swallows deeply no <laughs> to be honest i now sort of wear it with a bit of pride Boring can be a virtue, I ask? Yes, after the past few years of instability and chaos, a bit of stability and making sure the sums add up and taking care of things would be a good thing. I don't think I am boring, by the way, for the record, Ian Katz. 
Oh, okay. But well, I'm glad you've got that on the record. People who say I'm not boring <laughs> often have to state on the record, you know, like, yes, Mr. Judge, I'm declaring on the oath that I am a funny man. Hello. Ha ha. Yeah. But she has never regarded politics as an extension of show business. If you want someone to do cartwheels and tap dancing, I'm not your person. But if you want someone to run the economy, I'm quite well qualified. Quite well qualified. Jesus what if I want somebody to run the economy well, as opposed how, to into the ground? How fucking, how fucking damning is that, though? It's like, I am well qualified. That is it, citizen. I have my credentials. The paper is in my yeah, hand. she worked Look. in a fucking bank or something. Central bank, even it's you know great. She's got she's got the two she's got the two qualifications she needs. She worked in a central bank, and her grandparent was a shoemaker, and that's apparently all that's required qualification wise, right? Yeah, that's it. Well, um, we can only assume the through thread between our, our the, the shoe factory and her working in a bank is glue, based off that fucking article. Because <laughs> for fuck's sake. I mean, I will say Jesus. I'm quite surprised that this made it through like the uh, the Guardian editing process. Mm. I wonder if it's like a warning shot across the bow, like you know, just as a kind of they've probably hey, just listen. they've probably just got a fucking AI in to proofread stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that did run quite long as an article, um, so you'll be pleased to know that I've got comment or commentary at as well, <laughs> <laughs> just to just to round this off nicely. Okay. Um, ooh, where to start? Where to start? Okay. There is another aspect to this which is no less important. Last week, we watched as France was engulfed in race riots, which have mm. long simmered in the banlieues. Large suburbs mm. and housing estates where economically deprived immigrants live. This provides recurring fodder for far-right politicians, such as Marine Le Pen, who are able to capitalise on problems associated with the Banlus. Yeah, surely surely that would only be something that the far right did, you know, castigating people in, uh, you know, deprived urban areas. Why, it would be really strange if somebody else did that, you know, say by using mm. some riots as a, as a sort of pole vault for their own ambition. You know, that that's would be the, weird. Um, that's the... That's the centrist guarantee, though. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, hmm. we shouldn't... Like, you know, we have all these people and they're living in, like, shitty conditions um, because we're racists. But we should do something about that, but only because if we don't, the Nazis will, like, use it to fucking cause problems. And we'd rather the Nazis were on side. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like straight up, you know, we will, we will use the Nazi framing by calling them race riots, but we will be doing it with a sad face as we're criticising the Nazis for taking mm. advantage of these race riots. Why are they race riots? Because we're calling them them. Don't think about it. Like, that, that's just how they are, you know? Agree with the absolute framing of the Nazis, but say that it's bad. Yeah. Um, we have had our own issues, but overall, race relations in the UK are an example to other countries. Commentary. <laughs> that is why we are only. That is why we are only too happy to welcome immigrants in exceptional need, such as from Hong Kong or Ukraine. <laughs> Race relations, Ukraine. It's the Ukraine. The impact. Frankly. Eat my <laughs> entire cock and balls. Whoever fucking wrote this, quite frankly, it's quite. It's quite fucking funny because there was articles in Polish newspapers about 
essentially the the attitudes of certain you know Ukrainian immigrants who came into the country, specifically on issues like race relations, and you know even some some fucking right wing polls were saying uh, this is a bit far even for us. So yeah, yeah sure, was, okay, um, let's have that over here. We absolutely did have articles like that here as well. There was absolutely one hundred percent articles saying, "Wow, these Ukrainian immigrants are a bit fucking racist." Um, like, yeah. That that did happen. <laughs> I'll need to see if I can find them. Um, but th- that definitely was an article that I read. I mean, um, let, let's let's not paint with too wide a brush here. Obviously, we don't mean all like you know immigrants. Yeah, 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 yeah obviously. Like that, but, but like, like, holy shit! Like that is absolutely like a factor. Like, and just in get it. This. Put a guy, put a guy at the airport, and ask everyone getting off the plane if they know what NAFO is, and if they do, put them back on the fucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, com- I'm not commentary. finished this by the way oh, I'm not even hell. finished well, fucking get the impact, <laughs> I'm fucking trying we haven't got all the night imp- I'm fucking dying in the yeah, heat yeah Rob's you. dying over there the impact on communities where immigrants are held is already a problem if something is not done this will get worse in response opponents of the Rwanda plan have nothing to say other than to throw their hands up in horror oh I'm going to throw my fucking hands alright <laughs> brackets one wonders incidentally whether their response would be the same if the proposed destination was a predominantly white country like oh. australia or new oh, zealand wow here we fucking go <laughs> right <laughs> commentary out tell us which cunt this was it's his commentary and we're dropping jamie on this one it was it was that was stephen pollard in the express oh sure. shut Egg the fuck up cunt, cunt. yep I hope he falls off a wall and gets trampled by all the king's men and horses and whatever. (laughs) (sighs) The Tories have in fact moved to the left in government. And besides the crisis that has engulfed them is not so much the unravelling of Thatcherism as the continued implosion of the Blairite third way. Subsidising a cheap wage... Subsidising a cheap wage economy through in-work benefits, has failed to prevent many from calculating that they are better off on full-time welfare. Creeping regulation and quantitative easing binges have fostered a world that bolsters billionaires and those on benefits but punishes everyone in between. Starmer will be compelled to gloss over all this as he offers a left-wing panacea. Crucially, it will not be socialist ideology that galvanises him, but the gravitational pull of political logic. As the Cameron era teaches, once a government decides on a blame narrative to keep voters on side, it must be reinforced with actions that signal a drastic departure from the soiled predecessors. With Cameron, it meant excessive austerity. With Starmer, it may well lead us down the rabbit hole of bold state interventionism and soaking the rich. Comment or commentary at? I feel comment for this one. Yeah, I feel comment on this one as well. I went into a fucking coma halfway through, so I don't know. <laughs> that was... Chuck, toss a coin. Yeah, that was Cheryl Jacobs and the Telegraph. Oh, um, that was also... Me. That was also signed off with a, a little... Um, one of the last paragraphs wrote... One Jeremy Clarkson is currently hope. away. one also lives in hope that pursuing a clunky top-down green industrial plan at a time when western countries should be transitioning to a decentralized knowledge economy will eventually be exposed as 100 years out of date yeah 
Yeah. What we should do is we should, your next job should be in partnering the orb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, this feels to me like a significant moment. I believe that Mr. Starmer is potentially going to be the first person from a genuinely working class background. Who could become Prime Minister. And he knows very well what the difficulties are coming from this sort of background. What the difficulties are in competing against those who have come from more adv- advantageous positions. Comment, I'm gu- from- comment, Guardian comment section. The fucking. Oh room. my fucking word! I'm from a very similar background, and more to the point, my son is also from a very similar background, and he now finds himself trying to make his way in a world where most of the people uh, have come on, from much on, more on, privileged positions, this, and where the questions, wait, "What does your father do?" Like- has actually been asked of him. This is going to be like fucking uh, Sophia Money Coots, isn't it? Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, whose wallet is this? Is this, this West Streeting's mother? Here? Is this West Streeting's mother <laughs> trying to sell at least one copy of his shit house book? He, like Mister Starmer, has managed to succeed through his ability, and because he is prepared to work twice as hard as those around him, but also oh, at times by not talking about his background. And of course, without having the advantages of help and contacts that others have. I'm sure that Kia is absolutely aware of all of this and how much this leads to many good people not getting the opportunities they deserve and to others getting opportunities that they did not really deserve. And if he can start to do something to change this, then I think he will be performing a huge service for the country. Comment or commentary at. Comment the Guardian. Yeah, comment the Guardian. I agree. A commentary That was a top pick comment in the Guardian. Yeah, there you go. Which one? These these two are good. Um, while Just Stop Oil claims to represent Uh-oh. humanity, it pays little Co- attention to popular reactions to its protests. Hot commentary. Come on the podcast, they said. We get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> This isn't particularly surprising. If you genuinely believe the world was on the absolute brink of collapse, blocking a road seems like a small step in response. If an ambulance can't reach a patient in time, that's deeply sad. But the potential death of billions is an unimaginably vaster tragedy that must be averted. Yeah, alright. These apocalyptic warnings provide space for something much darker to emerge. How far would you go to prevent something truly terrible from happening, not just to your family, but to all of humanity? Groups with a simple black and white vision of the world are often willing to cross significant boundaries to achieve their goals. The January 6th rioters who broke into the US Congress. (laughs) Did you hear those those screeching tires from that handbrake turn there? That was amazing. Zoom straight to the moon. Yeah. I think I think honestly in in like the the like fucking tightly wound political climate of 2023, I don't think like comparing Just Stop Oil to the January 6th people is like fr- frankly enough to merit like any kind of like notoriety on the uh, on the commentary at stage. I think mm-hmm. you should have gone further and tried to justify 9/11, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Oh, 
I'm not even, I won't finish it. That that was the fucking hit of it. Yeah, so that's like, that's great. Think? That's we don't need much more than that. That's just good shit. Comment or commentary? Uh, um, a comment. I feel like maybe comment. No, okay. I'm gonna go commentary. At this feels it feels yeah. too good. Paul Pot in the Morning Star. <laughs> <laughs> that was Richard Samuel Mace in the Telegraph. <laughs> right. Yeah. Last one. For centuries, Britain has been renowned as a land of liberty. Is this the order of oh, Master wow. and Commander? Are <laughs> <laughs> oceans now battlegrounds? <laughs> Actually, hang on, hang on just a second. Hang on. Um... <laughs> For centuries, Britain has been renowned as a land of liberty. <laughs> Our nation created Magna Carta, pioneered parliamentary democracy, and conquered Nazi tyranny. But today, freedom is under attack as never before, not from a foreign force, but from the destructive woke agenda that has seized control of our public institutions and major corporations. The social justice warriors behind this revolution have no electoral mandate, but their lack of accountability does not prevent them from bullying their critics into silence. They are Orwellian in their methods. They call for tolerance, but are intolerant of dissent. They pose as the champions of progress, yet are the architects of oppression, like Big Brother in 1984, crushing rebel Winston <laughs> Smith. They preach inclusion, but feed division with identity politics. Left-wingers are fond of denouncing the anti-communist campaigns, led by Senator Joe McCarthy in mid-1950s America. But US McCarthyism is dwarfed by today's woke culture. Censorship, witch hunts, blacklists, indoctrination and character assassination all come easily to the ideologues, helped by corporate cowardice and the mob mentality on social media. This pattern is epitomised by the politicisation of the banking industry. <laughs> Is this about <laughs> is this Arab Bastani writing in defense of Nigel Farage? Is that a magazine? Uh <laughs> commentary. And I like, wow. I like that fucking bit in the middle where they were like they, they say one thing but then have this other thing, do you know what I mean? Like they <laughs> they tell you that we can all have cake, but they made Neil Oliver get a vaccination. <laughs> commentary, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it's a very powerful. I like it a lot. It's just, it's quite, quite good. <laughs> so what do you think, Rob? Uh, I think this is commentariat. It's deranged enough. Mm. It, it feels like Rod Little or some shit. It does. It really does. Yeah. That was commentariat. It was Leo McKinstry in The Express. Yeah, they <laughs> I was just barely off. I'm going to give myself stepping, that anyway. I'm going to give myself bonus ste- heat point. Yeah, he's he's stepping <laughs> his game up there. That's uh, that's something. Yeah, that that was fucking that was good. Okay, so I think that'll that'll more than do us for this episode, eh? Um, 
So we will have another episode out next week. We will have a bonus episode at some point this month released on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Baxiscast. You can also see us on Twitch on Wednesdays and Thursdays. That is twitch.tv forward slash Praxiscast. Follow us on the Twitter to find out when we're going to be live because we're not very good at that bit. Um, yeah. That's twitter.com forward slash Praxiscast. because they won't give me access to the fucking Twitter feed. I'm there every week desperate to let the public know what's going on and I'm just like, you know what I mean? Unfairly if you want, punished. If, if you want... If you want Jamie to tell you when we're going to be live, um, you need to manage to scam a blue sky invite off someone. Um, <laughs> and, and we're, we're Praxis cast and whatever other bullshit after that. Please year. do not. Jamie and... also doesn't post the, post the times on there, so you know swings around about. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, um, also merch is available. That is praxiscast.tml.com. We thank you very much for listening. We hope you join us in the Patreon so that you can shout abuse at us in the Discord, and we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, bye. See ya. Bye. Too warm. Fuck you. Can someone go around and mop up Rob, please? <laughs> Clean up on aisle five, yeah.